Not a single, not a double, but a triple. Welcome to the Triple Option Podcast with Ryan Gregory and Devin Voss, a part of the Running Book Podcast Network. Co-host Devin Boss, and with me is co-host Ryan Gregory. How are we tonight, Ryan? You know what, man? We got a consistent thing going on right now. We're we're back in this uh, in the swing of things. That top is a part of my life again. Consistently, it feels great. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing great too. Uh, I, I feel the same exact way. Plus, you know, we get to talk about the best, of course, Group of Five conference today. And we're going to be diving into the American Athletic Conference, otherwise known as the AAC, and the Big 12. So it's going to be a fun one. What are you, what are you feeling? You know, man, just, just excited. And before we get too far into it, uh, let, let's all share a bit of congrats for our friend Devin taking over a spot at the Reporter Times in Martinsville. Congrats, buddy. Big time take, taking the big boy job. We're all very <laughs> proud of you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to get it going and start writing and doing journalism things. Um, so it's, it's going to be a good time. Going to be basically, you know, just writing it out and, and writing a whole bunch of stuff. So ready for it. Yep. Both of your top co-hosts are, are employed young men in the world of sports journalism. Who would have thought? Yep. And yet we're still going to find the time to do this because we love college football and there's nothing more we love. And we love you, you diehard listeners, all, yes. all one of you. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but well, to, answer, to answer your question before I had to get all wholesome on you, um, I'm excited to talk about offense today. That's always the best part of the AAC is, you know, more so than the Big 12, the other, the other conference that we're discussing today. Defense can sometimes be more of a suggestion than, uh, than a necessity. And we have obviously our darling Navy running the triple. We got Tulane running the the weird triple branch. We got Houston who is only concerned with scoring points. So I mean, it, it'll be a good one. What are, what are you looking forward to here, man? Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to be honest, outside of Cincinnati, um, this is an incredibly competitive conference this season. Um, Oh, usually, yeah. usually the bottom half is kind of competing with itself, but but this year, I mean, there's there's talent top to bottom. Um, I'd argue East Carolina is pretty terrible. Yeah, I mean, outside of like the East Carolinas and the USFs, uh, yep, South it, it Florida and be, Temple are gonna suck. But yeah, that it, that middle part is gonna be aggressive, fighting for like two through four. Yeah, like, that's gonna be a hell of a race this season. Yeah, and heck, I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody slips one on Cincinnati, but. Uh, we'll get into that because, you know, you might as well open it up with Cincinnati. Uh, we're talking about a Cincinnati team who's bringing back the great majority of its players. Um, Luke Fickle and the Bearcats, utterly close from defeating Georgia in their near sixth bowl last season. Uh, literally, uh, the kid had a kick of his lifetime, the longest field goal he had ever made in his career to win the game against Cincinnati for Georgia. Uh, and with Notre Dame and IU on the schedule, they have their eyes locked on that CFP spot. Yeah, that 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 bowl game was a was a heartbreaker. And 
the one of the biggest issues, uh, one of the biggest reasons why they lost was uh, their offensive lineman James Hudson getting himself kicked out because of that late hit, and that's where I think the conversation really starts with um, uh, with with Cincinnati coming into the season. I mean, they lose him, they lose their right tackle, and they lo- and they lose Jared Dokes. I mean, like that's that's like it comfortably. 60% of their rushing game from last year, those two and dokes at running back. And so obviously you're worried about that with Cincinnati, but I mean, uh, they got Desmond Ryder back who, you know, Mr. 18th year, uh, their, their top <laughs> receiver from last year, their tight end, Josh Wiley, Wiley is back. He caught six touchdowns last year. They got Michael Young and Alec Pierce on the outside. So, I mean, obviously the first thing you think of with Cincinnati's offense is like run, 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 hope that we don't have to pass it. But like, with with how long that Ryder's been doing this, they might just be a pass first team outside of like you know his designed runs. Uh, are you seeing the same things from uh, Cincy this year on offense? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's going to be a fairly balanced attack. Uh, I, I expect a lot of what we saw last year, maybe a little bit more passing. Uh, personally, I, I think Jerome Ford is going to replace Dokes quite well. I mean, he's he's not exactly what Jared Dokes is, but. Uh, I think Jerome Ford has enough in his bag to be able to make this thing work uh, and keep this offense flowing just like it did last season. And outside of Hudson and Harper uh, O-line departure, which, as you mentioned, you know, like the O-line is maybe the only nitpicking questionable thing here. Uh, I, I mean, I, I see little, little, uh, a little any, if any, step back, if not get better because of that great, great defense. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the replacement thing with Marcus Freeman, their defensive coordinator shipping off to Devin's fighting Irish <laughs> to take the place of Clark Lee. Now the head coach at Vanderbilt. See, every, everything comes back to Vandy when you talk college football. That's uh-huh. what I always say. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Mike yep. Tressel takes over as DC and he, he's got a pretty easy job seeing as how he he only really has to worry about blitz packages, seeing as how that he has Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant running corners for him. Like, he can he can kind of just do whatever and trust that those two will, tr- will uh, lock down any receivers, might be running any routes on him. Yeah, I mean, the only thing this defense lost was their safeties. And with the way Cincinnati's been recruited, recruiting, plus who they got at cornerbacks, so, I mean, that's, that's easily going to help them out um, already. Plus... Uh, this team, limited teams, uh, only 16 a game last season. And uh, we're first in the AAC versus the run, uh, fewest yards per play allowed and pass efficiency defense. And, yeah, so, I mean, you lose only two of those guys uh, who should be fairly replaceable. Um, and, I, I mean, I don't see much of a much of a let up here. I mean, Cincinnati... Yeah, what? since he could have two first round draft picks next year on defense alone. Yeah, because I, I think Sauce Gardner's definitely got himself in the conversation. And like my my Jay Sanders, like he had seven sacks and ten and a half tackles for loss last year. Like if if he keeps up that kind of production, like we could see two Cincy guys go in at least the top 50 just on defense. Like that's that is elite territory. Yeah, I absolutely. And. Uh, this definitely isn't, you know, your normal group of five team. I mean, this team, I mean, even it shows in the AP polls, uh, preseason polls, like this team is going to be looked at as, you know, 
as if any other power five team this season, just because of, you know, how they performed against Georgia and uh, them going undefeated all of last year. Yeah. They got shot on last year, but now all eyes are on them. Now is their time where uh, they can make the CFP this year. I have little doubt if they run the table or even if they lose by say, you know, three points or something to Notre Dame, uh, they easily could still make the college football playoffs. So, uh, Cincinnati's definitely locked and loaded this season. Uh, they're not going to have much issues. Uh, definitely up their competition, uh, but you know they could easily slip both of those games uh, with the win between Notre Dame and IU. So uh, it'll be a fun. It'll be fun for Cincinnati this season. Yeah, if we can, if we can touch on this on the schedule for just a second longer, like yeah, since he has this brutal stretch, like they get to warm up for Miami of Ohio and Murray State. That's all well and good. But li- listen to the stretch that they got to endure here. So obviously they have the trips to Indiana and Notre Dame in a, not back-to-back weeks, but it's IU, bye week, go to Notre Dame. So like obviously not easy. They follow that up with a game against Temple. They'll win that by a million. They go to Central Florida and then – or sorry, they host Central Florida and then have to go to Navy and Tulane. Like those last two might not sound that challenging, but you need to devote at least four days of defensive practice solely to stopping those two teams doing that in back-to-back weeks. That is just slip up territory. Like that, the the schedule is shaken out so poorly for Cincy that like, thank God they allowed some super seniors to come back because they're going to need every ounce of, of that production to get through that gauntlet of schedule they have this year. Absolutely. And it's good. It's good for them because if Luke fickle walks away, he's easily, I mean, the Cincinnati team is easily going to be in the contention every year. Um, oh, yeah. So, I mean, Luke Fickle's doing a great job in Cincinnati. He's recruiting well. He has no signs of wanting to leave the program. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully Cincinnati. All, all I, the reports are that, like, there's only a couple schools that he'll leave for. One of them's in Columbus and one of them's in South Bend. I think anything beyond that, Fickle's going to stay in a uh, – in Cincy until one of those comes calling. I, I sure hope so because I love what he's doing there. And I love, uh, you know, him committing himself to bringing, you know, a program up and he's done it very well. So, yeah, that was too long on Cincy. We need to burn through whoever's next. (laughs) No, it's all good. Remember we got 21 teams this time, short, short (laughs) conferences, no divisions in either of them. So it's all good. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Next up on the list is UCF. Uh, they they definitely have taken a step back from their dominance, you know, from two undefeated seasons. Uh, but uh, Gus Malzahn in the group of five, uh, I expect to bounce back here. I mean, the offense certainly hasn't lost a step this entire time. Uh, they've ranked first or second in the AAC in most yards per play in four consecutive years. And uh, they've also uh, at least averaged... Um, 40 points a game every season from 2017 to 2020. So what, what are your thoughts on their offense this year, right? I mean, it, it's hard to bet against a group of five team with one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, which is Dylan Gabriel. I mean, any guy that can force Mackenzie Milton out, out like how beloved he is there, even when he comes back, you know, you know, the guy's got to have some juice. <laughs> like, yeah. And he, he's got a really good, uh, uh, receiving core coming back. I mean, he's got he's got guys like Ryan O'Keefe, Nate Craig Myers. Like 
it, it's 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 a solid group on offense again it, it's everything that you expect i guess is the best way to put it for yeah ucf like they're bringing their whole o line back they're going to be while this isn't the typical hypo offense where it's like get the ball out of the quarterback's hand as fi- as fast as possible it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what malzon twist gets put on this because he his time at auburn when he didn't have god himself cam newton at quarterback it's it's a lot of like let's see how long we can run it until they make us not have to and then when they do they do some spectacular deep routes and so UCF tr- traditionally has like the faster receivers in in the conference and even among, you know, college football teams. So th- it's going to be a, a great combination of how Malzahn isn't af- afraid to scheme up like these, these deeper, like post corner seam routes have those fast receivers and uh, Gabriel delivering. I, I think the offense is going to be just as potent as ever. Yeah. I think this is a perfect situation for Malzahn because he's a thousand percent. Absolutely, and he's inheriting a quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, who is a quarterback that's similar to, you know, like the success he's had in past years, you know, like uh, Cam Newton and uh, Nick Marshall. Uh, oh, Nick Marshall. Of, yeah, Nick Marshall. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Uh, Went to a Exactly. And, I, I mean, as you pointed out, tons of transfers coming in. They're bringing in uh, Northwestern, former running back Isaiah Bowser, Awesome name. What? Uh, Bowser went to UCF? Yeah, I did not did. see that. Um, they're oh, also that's bringing a in. whole different ballgame. I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's such he's, a great receiving back. Straight up. Yeah, exactly. And Mark Anthony Richards as well. Uh, right back. So um, I saw that he came over from Auburn, but wow, I didn't know Bowser came. <laughs> yeah, Bowser's here. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun offense again for UCF. Uh, there's going to be no step backs on offense, but What's more concernable is their defense. Um, it simply just has to be better. They allowed 33 points a game last season, um, and their rushing and passing defense was was simply to, to simply put it sus. So, uh, what do you <laughs> think about their defense? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, we need to talk a little bit longer about how you just said sus for real on <laughs> 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 this podcast. I mean. The best thing that you can say about UCF is that Big Cat Bryant followed Malzahn to the Knights. That is yeah. the biggest plus. Bryant, if he plays aver- if he plays average this season, he's a top fifteen pick. Like he's he's just done that much at Auburn, and he's such a, a natural talent that like much like every other group of five team, they struggle to find consistency when it comes to a pass rush. Big Cat Bryant is a pass rush, pass rush by himself. So I mean, <laughs> and Malzahn's been plucking from the transfer portal already. He's got a guy from, got a, a guy from Western Kentucky. He's, he picks up a couple other guys in the, in the defensive backfield. Like uh, they, they lose Richie Grant at safety, who was like twenty eight. Like that guy should yeah. not have been in college anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's UCF. They're always going to recruit best in the AAC. So they're this is this. Please don't clip this AB for our for our press run. But UCF is the is the Bama of the Group of Five. In that, I trust them to re, to replace whatever they lose with comparable talent, at least from a recruiting standpoint. That like they may be losing a safety. And they may be losing a couple big linebackers, but 
they recruit by far the best in the group of five. So I just trust that they'll be able to kind of plug and play. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, UCF is one of the premier destinations in the group of five. Plus, uh, I mean, look at all it's of in the, Florida. Uh, it's in the, it's in Florida and look at all of the uh, people they tend to pluck from the transfer portal. It's not like they're a bunch of scrubs. Like they're getting quality power five players coming to their program. Uh, oh yeah. And yeah, I mean, to touch on the defense, uh, big cat, Bryant, huge Ricky Barber is going to be great. Uh, secondary needs more experience, but yeah, as you pointed out, uh, tons of transfer transfer portal talent. So, um, UCF is going to be great once again. Uh, I expect a, def- a definite bounce back um, from from last season, which they didn't even have a bad season last season. But um, for UCF standards, for UCF standards, they did. So I uh, expect them expect them to definitely be back. Um, and another team that could that could be back uh, would be the Houston Cougars. Let's fucking talk about him, man. I'm so excited about Houston this year. Uh, Dana, Dana Holgerson, who's just 7-13 and 13 through two seasons. Uh, one key thing that he doesn't have to do this season, face either UCF or Cincinnati on the regular season schedule. God damn, what a lucky bitch. Yeah. Um, I'm pulling up course, their schedule right now. I haven't looked yet. Clayton Toon comes back. Um, there's a there's a couple question marks, but ways that they've filled them with the transfer portal. So, um, I know you love Man, this. Houston. This schedule is soft as baby shit. Are you kidding me? I know. <laughs> Let, let's talk about this before we get into the team host or sorry, neutral site with Texas tech. That's a win at rice. That's a win host grambling. That's a win. Navy toss up at Tulsa win. At Tulane, toss-up. Host uh, Eastern Carolina, win. Host SMU, toss-up. At USF, win. At Temple, win. At Memphis, toss-up. At UConn, win. They have so many penciled in. Write it in Sharpie. (laughs) Wins this season. (laughs) Like, this definitely seems like a, oh, that's when it all came together for Holgerson at Houston type of season coming up for us. That receiving yeah. core is going to be bananas. Like for long time, uh, top listeners, I've been banging the, the drum for Clay Toon since he split time with Derek King back when he was there. Like I've been a Clay Toon believer since the jump. The, the kid's got a cannon and he can, he can run pretty well as well. And like, it sucks that Quez Stevenson is off the league, but like they bring in a wide receiver transfers from both Texas tech Minnesota and UCLA on top of Nathaniel Dell coming back. I mean, throw it anywhere and somebody's going to be there to catch it. And that's kind of, that's kind of the way that Holgerson run operates too. It's like, yeah, I guess we can technically put people on the line and that running back, but that doesn't matter. I worry about the one guy throwing and the, <laughs> and the three to four guys out catching passes. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, all the keys are there for the uh, Houston offensive success this season. Um, tons of transfer portal talent coming in. Tejon Henry, uh, Keyshawn Carter, uh, plus, you know, what's all already coming back for their offense. I, I don't see any issues with their offense this season. I think it's just more so on the, on the defense. 
Well, you see the, the issues there, because, I mean, like, obviously Peyton Turner's gone, but beyond that, they bring back a ton of depth. Like, I love their I secondary mean, more specifically. They're bringing back nine starters, which is going to help them in the long run. But last season, they allowed 32 a game, ranked near the bottom of the AAC in red zone defense. Eighth and pass efficiency defense. Surrendered nearly 170 rushing yards a contest. And while turnovers are, yes, luck, they're only able to get six of them. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think experience is going to play a difference this season. Plus, with how COVID and stuff went down, um, of course, that kind of naturally set a lot of teams back. But um, they also added, you know, Latrell Bankston and uh, Alex Hogan from the transfer portal. So, um, I mean, it's, it's going to definitely improve, but it needs to improve this season for sure. So you're using my time-honored tradition of saying like the Louisville thing from I think two years ago now, where like <laughs> returning pr- production isn't always good production. No, I mean I, I think in this I think with this team it is going to be a, a beneficial uh, for them to be returning. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Their corners are actually like legit, like. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Jones is locking people down. There's no doubt. Marcus Jones and Demarion Williams and Tabo, oh God, Mawaniki (laughs) (laughs) at safety. Like the the defensive backfield is at least going to be competent. And to all the stats that you pointed out, it was not last year. So I think that returning production is going to be huge for him. I I think Houston's like a dark horse could win this damn thing if Cincinnati wasn't Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Quote me on this. Quote me on this. Best quarterback in the conference, not named Dylan Gabriel, is on Houston. Hmm. You just throw. I'll take that to the shop. You just throw it right around that like that. Nope. Don't like him. What do you mean? He's a great college quarterback, but like as far as like pro potential goes, Clay, Clay Clay Toon, I would draft him in the second round. And walk home a happy man. Oh, that's a steal. Oh, whatever. Where do you see? Where do you see Ryder fitting into the NFL? I'm not talking about the NFL. I'm talking about in college football. Okay, okay. And then Ryder's probably better. <laughs> <laughs> I can make Wins, that concession. Wins, he's, he's like he's Tebow esque. He just he just fucking wins. He wins. Will um, not be a good pro, but wins games. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, next up uh, in this conference, we got the Pony Express. Unfortunately, the Shane Bouchelle era is finally come to that. But there's something Sunny to be Dykes, excited about. There is something. There's something quite quite exciting. Uh, Sunny Dykes says the Mustangs had an impressive 17 and six during his tenure, and while they lost Bouchelle, guess who they got from the transfer portal. Tanner Mordecai. None other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, they also have freshman Preston Stone, uh, you know, in in the mix for quarterback. But Mordecai is probably going to come out from number one. And it really doesn't matter which one comes out because uh, you got Reggie Roberson and, you know, Rasheed Rice, Danny Gray. uh, I don't know. Grant (laughs) Grant Kelly. Calcaterra. I mean, it's 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 pretty simple. The Pony Express, they're going to keep moving. 
let me say right now, if SMU was in, I, I don't know, the Big 12 right now, their receiving core would be the best in the conference right now. Rajay Rice is incredible. Reggie Robertson was robbed of half of his season when he got hurt last year. And then they bring in Cal Katera from Oklahoma. Like Mordecai is going to have the easiest job in the world thrown to <laughs> these three guys. Like I love, I love what Sonny Dykes does on offense is kind of like this pistol run and shoot. I, I don't even know how to really quantify it, but like they, <laughs> they have mastered the quick slant. They have mastered the, the stick concept. And they just run it to perfection. I mean, it made Shane Bichelle look like a like a god. And as we saw at Texas, he he was not quite that. But whew. and like they, they bring back Ulysses Bennett Bentley too. I mean, yeah. So they can run the, they can run the damn ball. Like, yep. Oh my god, SMU! I'm so excited about them. They're going to score so many points. I'm not yeah. super thrilled about the defense, no. but the offense. Like, turn on SMU for offense and then flip to the other game that you wanted to watch when they have to play defense, but not for too long. Cause it'll only last about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, they're explosive. They averaged 38 a game last season. And with the, with the turnover of Mordecai, I expect them to be in that range again. But as you alluded to this defense, um, thankfully they were able to somehow get Jim leave it uh, to, to come to the, be their defensive coordinator, which could be beneficial. I mean, they're returning seven starters, but um, they definitely sucked against the run. Um, they lost Brandon Stevens, and um, they allowed and 30 Richard points a McBride. game. And, yeah. So, what do you what are your thoughts on this great, great defense? Uh, great, great is certainly an adjective <laughs> to say. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, they're going to have to rely on their secondary a little bit. Like they, they don't, nor have they really ever had mo have much of a pass rush. The linebacking core is kind of starting from, from scratch. So it's just like Jahari Rogers, just trying to hold it down defensively. Yeah. And like Chase Cromartie is really good. Brandon Crosley is really good. It's just, you know, SMU is going to be a case of just don't let them score that much. Like it's just like if they get four possessions, try to let only let them score twice. That's going to be the goal for SMU defense, and that's it's a good world to live in. Just like we're going to score most of the time. Just try and do something sometimes. Bend, don't break. <laughs> exactly. You can bend a lot. <laughs> like, like we're almost breaking, but you know whatever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, SMU is going to be fun. Um, explosive offense. It's it's going to be it's going to be the all offense approach, and that's kind of how SMU has been rolling with it for the past few years, and it's been relatively successful. So, um, more success probably in the works for SMU. Um, speaking of successful teams, we have Tulane. Willie Fritz in the Green Wave averaged thirty four point seven points per game last season, the highest during his tenure as a head coach for Tulane. Uh, and really, there's going to be more success yet again. Uh, they lose a few pieces, but their core is back, and they have uh, one of the best offensive coordinators in the game, Chip Long. They're able to hire him this offseason. So how are we feel about the Green Wave, Brian? 
Devin, you want to hear my favorite stat from this last season inside the AAC? Yeah, let's hear it, man. Who do you think led the conference in rushing last year? Tulane. Oh, you you might be thinking Navy, seeing as how that's all they do. Eat your fucking heart out, Navy. Green Wave, (laughs) Willie Fritz, has got the machine rolling so hard that he beat out Navy for the lead in the conference in rushing yards. And I think the reason behind that is, is that he's truly found his most, you know, Willie Fritz quarterback yet at Tulane in Michael Pratt. All right, Devin, you're, you're a connoisseur of NCAA 14 too, right? Yep. So you know how your, your quarterbacks, when you run the triple in NCAA AA 14, what two things do you want them to have 99 stats at? Speed and throw power. And that is Michael <laughs> Pratt. The man can run. He throws it well. I mean, and when Tulane does throw, which, like, it's devastating. It is nothing like these RPOs. Like, it's so unexpected in Fritz's offense. He really should get hired somewhere higher. But their top six receivers returned from last season. And, like, it's a case of the Louisville's on the offensive line. They bring people back, but they were terrible yeah. <laughs> on the yeah. line. Terrible. But they still, they still managed to lead the conference in rush yards. How much of that is Fritz? How much of that's the running backs like like Cameron Carroll? How much of that is the O line? Who's to say? But like they're at least there's at least con- continuity now on that line. I mean, they they lost Amari Jones to Georgia Southern and they lost Stephen Hudson just to graduation. But like it, it's it's two lane. You're gonna be able to run the damn ball here. What do you think about this this offense, man? I think it, they're going to be just as good, if not better, this season. Um, better, a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I expect their scoring average to probably even take another bump, and I think Tulane's going to upset one of the uh, near top teams this season as well. Uh, Tulane's just just fun. They're a fun team. They have a fun field. They have a fun coach. They have a fun offense. Everything about Tulane is fun. That's uh, why we do this podcast. Exactly. And maybe my love, uh, you know, extends to them because of, you know, our whole podcast title. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's Tulane and it's the freaking green wave. Who doesn't love the green wave? That is such a such an awesome name. Uh, <laughs> you want to hear the best upset candidate probably in college football this year? Yeah, let's do it. First game of the season, September 4th. Oklahoma has to go to Tulane. Wow. They're playing at Tulane's Yulman Stadium. Wow. At 11 in the morning. That stadium is going to be loud. Tell me that doesn't have upset written all over it. Oklahoma's overlooking a triple team. Looking forward to this big season they have ahead. All of a sudden, 380 rush yards later, they're sitting there with a couple of broken fingers thinking, what the hell just happened to us? Tulane wins by 14. Yeah, it's certainly possible. It, Tulane is is just that good offensively. And, um, defensively, not as much, but there are some new. solid pieces. There are some solid pieces there for new defensive coordinator Chris Hampton uh, to take over, such as Jalen Monroe, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the AAC. Uh, nose tackle Jeffrey Johnson, uh, pretty solid there. Uh, but this defense also gave up 29 game last season. They sucked at, you know, past past defense and gave up 19 plays of 40 plus yards. So, 
there's a lot of room for improvement, but rushing wise, which, you know, honestly, I feel like this isn't a shock with, with triple teams or just run heavy teams. They had the second best rush defense in all of the AAC. Uh, yeah, they, they were nationally good yeah. at, at defending the run last year. So, I mean, when you practice against a run heavy offense, I feel like that's a, that's a tendency, but um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of room to improve here. Yeah. The defensive secondary was a liability last year and we saw it. We saw it the most uh, in that game against Nevada in in the bowl game, like Carson strong bombed on them. It was embarrassing. <laughs> so like that, the defensive backfield has to get far better, but um <laughs> You know, there's, like you said, there's experience there. There's things to be excited about. Their top tackler, uh, Dorian Williams, comes back. I mean, there's – it's to a lesser extent the SMU thing because SMU is really like we're going to score every time. But with Tulane, with how often they run it, you're going to have time. They're going to burn the clock down a lot. So it, it just affords a better life for the defense. And so I, I think they'll be fine. I think Tulane's going to be another – you know, they're not going to obviously win the conference. There'll be another one to watch in the American this year. Yeah, and another one to watch, another one that's going to be competing is Phil Montgomery's Tulsa, baby. Tulsa, another <laughs> shocking team, uh, at least from What a last 2020. Season. What a 2020. What a 2020. We're talking a team that was ranked for a lot of the season. Um, Out they of have nowhere, a, too. And they, yeah. they were scraping the fucking bottom of the barrel for those <laughs> wins at times. I, they, they, they shouldn't were. have beaten UCF. They shouldn't have beaten UCF. They shouldn't have beaten East Carolina. They shouldn't have beaten uh, SMU. They barely beat Tulane and OT. Like so much of their season was just like it bounced into their hands, but like you can't fault them for, for fucking doing it. Like, yeah, they, they did the damn thing. They won the games. They did, and uh, a lot of that, which unusually here, I'm going to move to the defense first, uh, was because of their defense. They were the bread and butter of last season. They limited teams to under five yards per play and 21.6 points a contest. Um, Fortunately for them, eight of those players are back, but unfortunately, uh, the key components to it are gone. I mean, obviously, David Collins, uh, first round draft pick, he's gone. Ali Green, the fourth, he's gone. Uh, Caleb uh, Evans, he's gone. So, how do you think they cope with the losses of some very important pieces to this defense? Yeah, obviously, there's no like, there's no replacing a Zayvon Collins. That is a that is a once in a generation player for a school like like Tulsa. But they bring back Jackson Player who I liked a lot on the defensive front. I, I believe he was first team all conference. Like that, that D line is going to be something they really lean on. I like Christian Williams a lot in the, in the defensive backfield. It's, it's a, it, it's, it'll be easy to write off the defense. I think for Tulsa, the people will say, you know, Collins gone equals not good anymore, but they still have a hell of a lot of good players. I mean, Justin Wright's a great linebacker. Um, I, I think that Tulsa's, I mean, you'll take a step back. Like when a guy can just probably give you a touchdown every game on defense, it's hard to upkeep that when, when he goes off the league. But like Tulsa, Tulsa is still going to be very good on defense. I, I, I 
I, I don't worry about them on defense is the best. The, the biggest compliment I can give is, is that I'm not too worried about their uh, replacing production. How about you? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I feel like their defense is going to be solid. They're not going to be as good as last season, but they're, they're still going to be solid. They're still going to be one of the best in the AC, uh, especially with, you know, eight of those guys returning. So that's enough. That's enough components to be able to, to continue last year's success. Uh, but what's going to be different for them uh, in terms of continuation is on offense. Uh, they got a new quarterback under the helm. They have Davis Brin, who has only 29 career attempts, but has at least looked promising. Um, how do you suspect he will adjust to the starting goal? I mean, he's got Keelan Stokes and Juan Carlos Santana and Josh Johnson uh, on the outside. Those are some pretty good players to throw to. So what are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's 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 a cushy situation to be able to come into. They return all five starters on the O line, including Tyler Smith, who was first team All AAC at left tackle. Um, l- like you said, all three of the receivers are coming back for him, which is which is huge. I mean, if if there was a better situation for a, a Tulsa quarterback to come into, <laughs> I'd love to I'd love to see it. He's he's going to have time, and he has receivers that know what they're doing. That's really all that you can ask for, and like. He just has to be. He just has to be all right. Tulsa's never going to light up the scoreboard against you. It's for them. It's always about you know locking it down defensively, kind of grinding out those those dirty twenty eight to fifteen wins. Like I, I think that he's more than capable of that, even though you know small sample size. But he'll have plenty of help. Yeah, especially the Shamari Brooks coming back from a knee injury uh, last season. Uh, Got a great backfield behind him. Uh, I think it's, it's as you said, a very cushy situation to come into. So uh, Tulsa should be fun. Yet again, another great grindy team. Uh, they got to travel to Ohio State this season. They're going to get put through a fucking meat grinder. Yeah, that's going to be tough. But, I mean, maybe their defense, at least, you know, little's the bird. We'll see. Yeah, maybe uh, they'll only lose by 35. Yeah. <laughs> um. On the other hand, we have Memphis, and Ryan Silverfield's debut is actually a success with the eight and three record. Of course, he was walking into a team with tons of talent, so it's you know not incredibly difficult to do that. Uh, but what is difficult is losing someone like Brady White. Oof. Um, For, formerly of, of uh, Arizona State, go Devils. Go Devils. Um, interestingly enough, in their replacement efforts for Brady White. Uh, they're having a four-way quarterback <laughs> battle between Grant Guttel, Keelan Brown, Peter Parrish, and Seth Hennigan, all of which, according to Memphis's commercial appeal, uh, took first-team reps during the spring game. So this is a legitimate four-way battle that no one has absolutely no idea who's going to become the starter week one. <laughs> yeah, that's always great. Don't you think going into the fall being like <laughs> any of these four guys could start for us? That's always a good way to instill confidence in your program. <laughs> um, I haven't seen too much of um, of Gunnel, but um, I, I like Peter Parrish. I've, obviously, he's going to be my my pick to be the guy because, you know, I think he's the best. Formerly of LSU, I, he's either a high four or a low five, like, Duke can sling it. He's he's definitely good enough to play quarterback at Memphis. That's for damn sure. And they, they bring back their top receiver, um, Calvin Austin from last year. Caught eleven touchdowns. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's a pretty nice way to 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 bring things in. I mean, uh, it, it's it's Memphis offense. They're, they're going to be fine. I bet they have a a running back that's about to go to the league. <laughs> <laughs> that's all they do. Yeah, I mean, um, as you said, you know, Calvin Austin, one of the better wide receivers in the country. 63 passes caught last season for 1,053 yards and 11 scores in a condensed season. That's pretty spectacular. Memphis just just keeps finding these guys. Yeah. I mean, these running backs and receivers out of nowhere. It's just like, how are you not at like Tennessee? How, how'd you end up in Memphis? I mean, to be fair, I feel like Memphis for whatever reason, uh, pulls in great talent. And I think it's, Memphis has some type of special appeal. I mean, both on in football aided and basketball. Uh, I'm not incredibly sure what exactly it is, um, but for whatever reason, Memphis just has some sort of appeal. And I mean, it's great to use it to your advantage. Um, yeah, I mean, losing losing uh, your running back from last season is is always difficult. But I mean, you got a lot of people coming in, uh, but they only averaged four yards per carry. Uh, not particularly good. So they look to look to improve there and their own line isn't particularly concerning. I, yeah, I mean, status quo here for Memphis on offense. They're just going to keep it, keep it rolling. Unless that quarterback situation really can't figure itself out. That, that can be the demise of the team. And before we move on from the offense, let's talk about, remember how, uh, on the ACC, we're talking about shy Wirtz left from, uh, Georgia Southern to head off to Louisville to play receiver. Yep. yep. We got a similar situation going on. Former Austin P quarterback, Jeremiah Oatesval is in Memphis. Now just kind of doing a Jack of all trades thing. Might see a Taysom Hill type situation. Might see him just pull a Tyree Jackson and just straight up become a tight end. There is no word out of camp, how they're going to use him beyond just saying he is a weapon. He is going <laughs> to be used on offense. So, a, a real, a really fun thing to keep an eye on going into this season on that offense. A, a fun little wrinkle they have. Yeah. So overall, Memphis offense, bunch of question marks, but probably going to be good. Uh, on huh. defense, uh, not so much question marks. More of an exclamation point. Uh, this is clearly one of the better defenses in the AAC. They returned nine starters from a great 2020 campaign. Uh, one in which they ranked third in fuse points allowed. Uh, in the AAC, they limited offenses to you know under six yards of play, ranked fourth against the run and third pass efficiency defense. Um, and they're bringing back cornerback DeAndre Thomas uh, from after he opted out last season. Um, I think there's going to be some initial difficulties replacing like Joseph Dorcius and O'Brien Goodson, but overall, I think I think this is going to remain a solid unit. Yeah, the, the strength of this Memphis defense is going to be the secondary, which is a, a little weird considering last year. I mean, the, the numbers may not show it, but just a vivid memory of mine from watching last season, Mem- watching Memphis play defense, it was like they're getting burnt too much over the top. Like that, yeah. that was just a, a reflection of, of, of poor safety play more than anything. And it's also a bit of a reflection on the backers, not, you know, communicating that well and, and passing guys off. But 
Quindell Johnson, one of the best safeties in the group of five, I'd say. And like he, like he said, Leandre Thomas coming back in the, uh, in the backfield, Rodney Owens coming back at safety. Like there there's options and there's versatility in that defensive backfield to the point where I think that like, as long as the pass rush and the front seven is fine, as long as it's passable, this is going to be the, the Memphis defense that we're used to kind of putting the clamps on can, can bang with other teams in the run game and run with you in the pass game. I, I, I have high hopes for the defense this year after what was, uh, what was it? Uh, season last year. I expect it to be uh, another season, great season for Memphis, another season competing. Um, they get to host Mississippi State this year. That'll I, be a hell of a game to watch. September yeah. 18th. We'll offense. see if the air raid can get past this defense more specifically. <laughs> Tons of offense there. Um, <laughs> because I don't want to group them in with the trashy teams, we're going to move Navy up. Um, Thank you. They do. We're, we're spending five minutes total on the trashy teams. <laughs> they do uh, have some concerns. And uh, they had a three and seven showing last season, which is, is pretty unlike Navy. Um, as we've we've all grown to know. Um, but my main worries, I suppose I should say, with them is, one, they're bringing in a new quarterback. They have two options. Two, they lost all four of their leading rushers. Three, their O-line was not very good last season. Uh, only returns two people. And four, um, their scoring average sucks, and they couldn't run the ball as Navy. They couldn't. They had 3.9 yards per rush as a triple option team last season. So on a positive end, there's a ton of new faces coming in this season. So maybe that drives them to success. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I'm, you said it all. When, when you talk about Navy and you're like, yeah, last season they averaged under 200 rush yards per game. It's it's easy to make the inference that you're like you're like oh, okay cool so they finished like what with two wins maybe three <laughs> like yeah that's, that's all you need to know about Navy um, and it, it's obviously devastating that they lose all those big rushers I, I've always loved Jamel Crothers since he's been at Navy he is he is the dive option on all the triple option plays as the fullback and the man's got yeah some he get does up. <laughs> he is he is quick and. And if there's one thing that we've learned about Navy is it, it's that they can replace at quarterback. They, they, they have that secret sauce ready for this. I can, I can pronounce the coach's name perfectly. Ken Nui Matalolo is really good at finding who he wants at quarterback and has done so, I mean, since the Reynolds era. I mean, there's always seemingly been a, a guy that can step up that, that has, you know, the Navy offense quarterback look to him. And it's looking like we're looking at Xavier Arline for this season. That's Is correct. That right? uh, Ty. 5'9", 165. <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> Tell me you're a quarterback at Navy without telling me you're a Sounds quarterback right. at Navy. Uh, he's, he's certainly the favorite. Uh, another person competing for it, though, is uh, Ty Lavatai. How tall is he? If he's Honestly, like six foot or over, he can't do it. <laughs> Why would you? You don't really need to worry about the passing game at Navy because that's mainly just hey, a farce. Hey, but you do have uh, just, Michael, whatever. Michael, Michael Cooper, Cooper, six foot five. Uh, Ty Levitai, six foot two. 
Oh, yep. Sorry, I can't play quarterback at Navy. You have to be five ten or shorter. Maybe, maybe he can be like their Cardale Jones or something. Yeah, maybe. But let's 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 talk about the defense because oh, holy shit! Got, remember, remember early in the season when they had to play BYU before the world was introduced to who Zach yeah. Wilson was. Yeah. Oh, holy Christ. <laughs> I don't know if it was early season jitters or what, but Wilson tore them a new one. <laughs> they destroyed Navy. I think everyone should have seen the season coming when BYU took them behind the woodshed like that. Like Navy's never stellar on defense, but they're at least competent. And that was terrible. But they they're gonna be so solid at linebacker this year. With uh how, how are we gonna go about pronouncing this? Are we gonna say Fago? Yeah. All right, Diego Fago, who we had to talk about last year too. He was their top tackle getter as a as a sophomore, and then he turned around and did it again as a junior. <laughs> now we got to talk about him going into a senior year. Yeah, but him, John Marshall, and Tama Tuatele are this terrifying linebacker tandem. You know, Navy's always going to struggle on the D line. They because of the the their requirements it takes to be in the Naval Academy. You just can't weigh that much. So they're never going to have hosses at like D tackle. So th- their play is always going to be have elite safety and linebacker play that can clean shit up. Yeah. And uh, as you said, this defense sucked last year. They're last in the AAC in Terrible. red zone defense. They allowed 204 rushing yards in contest. Uh, but uh, at least on a good note, they finished their final three games holding opponents to 19 points or fewer. So uh, it was still in there. It, it was still in there somewhere. Uh, but it it came way too late. And perhaps maybe, you know, in this new season, we could see a better Navy defense. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the reins a little bit here because we've been at this. We've been at this for a, about an hour now. And we need to, we need to knock out the Big 12. East Carolina, USF, and Temple. Do you have anything to say about any of these three teams? Because I have literally nothing in my notes. Um, I just they're, they're just terrible. Yeah, I don't have much good. Temple's not going to be good. Uh, Jeff Scott. USF is building from the bottom. They just they just hire a new coach. Poor Jeff Scott. I feel bad for you. And um, East Carolina slowly improving. Holt um, Nollers pretty solid. And defense, yeah, no, it sucks. All right, yep, that's that's about it for the final three. Yep, sorry, guys, do better and we'll talk about you more. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, because we have a giant conference to talk about and one with tons of good teams, minus uh, two uh, or three. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say three. And, I mean, to kick it all off, obviously we got to start with Oklahoma. Um, have to do you think this is this is their year to steal a title i mean there's there's a lot of nitpicking you have to do with this offense i mean spencer rattler was (laughs) rattled to begin the season but uh (laughs) but he really turned on the jets towards the end i mean the dude had 172 qbr to finish the season 3031 yards 28 touchdowns seven interceptions all on 67 percent. so needless to say spencer rattler will be one of the best fbs quarterbacks this season 
Uh, they got a ton of talent coming in, and Kennedy Brooks will be in the backfield once more. Uh, what do you What do you think about Oklahoma this season? Yeah, the thing with Rattler is, I mean, since he started playing at Oklahoma, he is he has had an issue with interceptions. That's kind of been the time honored thing to talk about when you're talking about Rattler. But like, I I, I love his receiving core. Marvin Mims is great. Theo Wee. Theo Wees, Jaden Hazelwood, Drake Stoops. I mean, it it doesn't get much better than that outside of SMU, obviously. Yeah, I wish that Charleston Rambo would have stayed. He's off to uh, Flor- uh, Miami, Florida, going to play with Derek King. But like, good choice. Yeah, it's always a good choice. But like, Rattler's going to be a, a Heisman talk guy all year. Like, this is going to be one of the best Oklahoma offenses that we've seen. Uh, I love Eric Gray, the tan- the transfer from Tennessee, team yep. teaming up with Kennedy Brooks as yep. in the running back tandem. Like that is terrifying. That is like, oh, who are those guys in Arkansas? Um, was that McFadden and Peyton Hillis? Yep. Yeah. Just, just reminiscent of that. I, I wouldn't want to go up against this offense. And like the defense for once, Alec Grinch has got them rolling defensively. Legit. So like they I, I feel like they can hang. I won't say that this yeah. is my this is my like pick to win it all because obviously I already said that's Georgia, but Oklahoma can hang. I, they're they're not an automatic bounce as we've seen them as recently. Oklahoma, Georgia, Oklahoma, in Georgia the, in the Natty. Yeah, I can get down with that. Oklahoma, Georgia, Natty. It. I'd I like to see, see it. that. I'd uh, love to see it. Their defense is is legit, and as you said, Alex Grinch has been absolutely revolutionary. To the worked defense. his ass off. They were uh, terrible before he got there. Yeah, they're god awful, and all three levels are legit. Uh, don't really even have to touch on the players because they're all pretty great. So uh, Oklahoma going to be great. Has title aspirations. I mean, they do every single season, but this time I feel like they're way more legitimate than what they had been in past years, just because of their defense. Uh, their defense can actually hang with people now. So uh, that's that's going to be a key for Oklahoma. And another team that's going to be, uh, I don't know if you could say college football playoff. It's, it's going to be close, uh, but definitely a team that has, has potential to do so uh, in Iowa State. Um, Matt Campbell, who I like to compare to the Luke Fickle of the Big 12, uh, has has this team rolling? I mean, thirty five year old quarterback Brock Purdy's back. Um, <laughs> Brees Hall is back. Uh, Charlie Kohler is back. Xavier Hutchinson is back. They they pretty much returned everybody, and they have a fantastic O line on offense. Uh, there's not really much to worry about here. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna punt on talking about the offense because like, a you already said everything, and b we saw literally every contributor play significant time last year. Like Iowa State's literally just running it back. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you want to know what you're going to see on offense this year from Iowa State? Just watch a game from last year. Everyone <laughs> that impresses you, everyone that you even take notice of, is back. Iowa State talked goddamn everyone into just being like, hey, one more go, and we'll probably do pretty good. Like, easily the biggest challenger to Oklahoma in the big 12 this year. If we're talking solely offense. Yeah. I mean, and like the defense is good too. 
yeah, the defense is here too. They allowed, I mean, they held offenses to only 21 points a game. Uh, and they're anchored by Mike Rose and Will McDonald. Um, while also having an incredible cornerback trio of Anthony Johnson, uh, Detrone Young, and Tavon Kyle. Um, all incredible uh, in the backfield. Uh, they lose both safeties, but this defense is, this defense is going to be great once again. But at safety, Greg Eisworth is really good, and they're bringing in a transfer from, from uh, Villanova named Jaquan Amos. Villanova? Yeah. Um, wow. Th- there, there's reason to be excited about both of them, too. Like, I, Iowa State's going to be just fine on both sides of the ball, and it makes them kind of boring to preview because we did <laughs> this We did this last year. Is It's the best way that we can put it. Like, go listen to the top preview for the Big 12 for 2020. It's, it's exactly what we're saying right now. It's just like, oh, yeah, let's see how often Purdy can get the ball into Brees Hall's hands. And uh, if Kohler's open, then – you know, it's all the same. Yeah. I mean, really the only thing you can request out of Iowa State is Purdy to just throw the ball a little be bit. Be better. Better. Yeah. Just be a little bit better. Uh, he's just even a, a, a little bit better. Uh, this team has some serious. It is problems. ridiculous. May I, may I rant? Anyone that has Brock Purdy as a quarterback in the NFL draft higher than the fifth round, you're <laughs> off your meds. Who the fuck do you think you are? He is terrible. He's not like an NFL quarterback. He is, he's fine. He is a fine college quarterback. There's a reason that he is at Iowa state. They might fuck around. I heard this on um, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, split zone duo um, who uh, one of my favorite uh, college sports writers, Richard Johnson picked you and I to beat Iowa state. In, in week one, you and I being wow. uh, University of Northern Iowa. Wow. FCS power, but still, Iowa State's Iowa State this year. And I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I feel like Iowa State, I mean, they dropped the game early to Louisiana last year. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, Louis- we'll Louisiana is a hell of a lot better than Northern Iowa, but they at least have it in their blood to lose to lower level competition early in the season. Then they got to do the 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 Cy-Hawk game a, a week later against Iowa. Yeah, uh, that'll be a fun one too. But um, Iowa State, everybody uh, should be Iowa great. State. Sorry uh, that I was lacking in coverage, but it's, it just gets repetitive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's not the same is Texas, who has no Steve Sarkeesian coming in. It's finally uh, different in Texas, we should say. This is the opposite yeah. of, of the Iowa States. Yeah, it is the opposite. Um, they averaged 42 points a game last season, so it's not like they couldn't score the ball. Uh, Bijan Robinson looks like he should have a solid year after rushing for 335 yards combined in the final two games. Um, Four starters return on O-line. They lose Sam Cosby, which obviously is going to be a big loss to Phil, but uh, really, when you talk Texas this season, you're talking this QB battle between Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. Yeah, whoever wins the quarterback battle like matters minimally because Texas is going to run the damn football this year. I mean, yeah. for, from what they saw from B. John Robinson and bringing back four of their five that aren't Sam Cosme on the O-line, like that is 
they're they're going to run the ball a ton, and, and Sarkeesian's smart enough to know that. I feel like based just on on his his timeline, when he has a great running back, he he runs it a fair amount. Like Najee touched that rock a significant amount last season, even with you know one of the most pro- prolific passing offenses that we've seen recently. Like Najee still got his, so he knows how to use a good running back and. Bijan Robinson is far more than a good running back, but I feel like it's going to be Thompson at quarterback. I feel like they're already doing like social media bumps for him on their, on their Twitter and stuff. So it looks like Thompson's the guy, but like whoever it is, they're just going to run the ball a hell of a lot on offense. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, The offense, yeah, they're probably not going to have too many issues. Uh, The defense on the other hand, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of room. Uh, room for improvement, um, of course, with the new administration. There's new defensive coordinator. Uh, they got Deshaun Jameson on the outside. He's a stud, and the line shouldn't be bad. Uh, but the linebacking core giving up 32.4 points a game certainly isn't great. So, uh, what do you think uh, they do on defense this year? I tell you what, this is exactly what my notes are saying. I wrote, they've never really had a pass rush, don't really have one this year, and then there's no one to get excited about. There's no, no. one that when I when I look at Texas's depth chart, top to bottom, sure they got they have some blue chip guys, they have some four stars, they have some five stars, but when I look through it, based on production I've seen, based on what I know Texas to be, I'm not getting excited about this defense, and they brought in a couple. SEC transfers, Ben Davis from Bama comes in. Ray, T- Ray Thornton from LSU comes in. Uh, both of them linebackers. But, like, there's there's a little infusion. There's a little, like, a little pinprick of what they need. But overall, I'm, I'm just not overly excited about Texas' defense. I think this is going to be another – Sark ha- Sark needs to get it rolling. He's, he's not left with a great cupboard from Herman is, is all I'm saying defensively. Yeah, um – it's going to be a transition here. I, I don't expect them to be, uh, you know, shocking anybody. Uh, no, by no, by no means are they going to be throwing shutouts against like Oklahoma. No, there's, yeah, exactly. I mean, they'll have some games where they're going to be uh, obviously explosive on offense. They'll look great against Kansas. <laughs> yeah, they will. <laughs> um, but. Overall, Texas probably, you know, at least this season, we'll see what they do in recruiting and such. But uh, this season, probably not going to be competing for a whole lot. Uh, They might finish top 25, but outside of that, probably not a whole lot. Um, What is interesting uh, in terms of uh, Texas teams is TCU. Uh, is this going to be Ryan Gregory? Yeah, Ryan Gregory, darling. <laughs> Close. Max Duggins breakout season. <laughs> Feeling oh, good about your your boy Max, huh? That, I guess it's, it's my boy Max more than anything. You talked about I, Max more than anybody hey, last year. <laughs> I, I did. I did love me some Max Duggan last year. Uh, they're, they're losing a lot receiving wise, and you know O line isn't going to be great either. I, uh, it, it's it's tough. Quentin Johnson's back at receiver, who I like a lot, and Tay Barber's back as well. So I mean, like they'll be fine, but it's it's going to be a lot on Duggan's shoulders again. I think is is the best way to put it. Just that 
like he's going to have to run all over the place because I, I don't really trust their running game. And he's, he's, he's carrying a lot of weight on his, on his shoulders in the passing game. Um, and as much as I like to talk about Duggan, as, as much as I love his game, if your whole season is on his shoulders, I think that you've got problems. So I think TC will be fine, but like, we're, we're not looking at anything spectacular from the Horn Frogs this year, unfortunately. Gary Patterson very well may retire soon. Been there for 21 years now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, he, he's won 104 more games than he's lost. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, successful coach for sure. Um, and, and one of the reasons they're successful is because, of course, his uh, defense, which almost yeah, the, never the seems defense. to fail. Never seems to fail. Um, always one of the best in the Big 12. Um, they already have a dominant O-line um, and, and a quarterback tandem of Noah Daniels and uh, Trevius Hodges Thomas. That's such a mouthful. Hodges Tomlinson. Uh, it'd be difficult to say that this defense is going to take much of a step back. I mean, of course, they lose uh, Trayvon Moerig and uh, Ardarius Washington. but Huge um, losses. One of, the best huge, safe, huge loss, one of the yeah. best safety tandems in recent college football memory. Like, those two were bananas. Yeah, agreed. But um, when you have Gary Patterson as your head coach, uh, I'm not worrying too much about their defense. Uh, but as as you allude to, their offense is, is likely going to struggle. There's not anybody that's, like, dazzling to your eyes there. Um, not many. I mean, they, they did add Memphis transfer uh, – well, I guess that's that's kind of the whole line. So, whatever. Um, <laughs> it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, where TCU lands, but they're certainly also not going to be um, competing towards the top. Uh, a lot of and Big Twelve. One one more point about Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Like he he should be a first round draft pick at cornerback. And do you rem- do you recognize the second part of that last name? Yep. You you know of any other Tomlinsons that went to TCU? Yeah, I do. That is his nephew. There you have it. So there, there are some, there are some pretty good genes coursing through Travis Hodges Tomlinson's uh, bloodstream right now. So I, I trust the defense just to put a bow on it. Like the the front seven is crazy. Like uh, Ocean Mathis and Terrell Cooper, crazy. And then like of course Patterson can coach up defensive backfields whenever, but with Hodges Tomlinson back there as well. Like TCU, if it's not Oklahoma, will have the best defense in the Big 12 this year pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. Um, and if you go a state up, we got Oklahoma State. Um, <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> yeah, what a transition. Um, Oklahoma State will be uh, another interesting story this season. Um First of all, I will. I would have just. I just want to speak a little bit on Spencer Sanders, um, because this is this is actually insane. All right. Yep. His his numbers between his sophomore year and his freshman year are so similar that it's almost funny. All right. So <laughs> his freshman year, he was he threw for 2,065 yards. 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions on 62.8%. Um, his sophomore year, he threw for 2,007 yards, 14 touchdowns, 8 interceptions on guess what? 
62.8%. This guy in wow. back-to-back seasons, I don't even know how, how, how common this has ever been. He threw 155 for 247. The exact same percentage, exact same attempts, exact what? same completions in back-to-back games. Dude, I shit you not. What the fuck? I shit you not. That is the <laughs> I weirdest have no stat idea. I have what ever the hell? seen in my life. <laughs> wow. Ever. That is a statistical anomaly. Um, insane. I, I was shocked when I was doing research. Uh, you can go to sports reference right now and look it up. I promise you, I'm not lying. It is insane uh, that Spencer Sanders is able to do that. Um, but actually, onto their offense. Really, I, I think with Oklahoma State this year, is it Spencer Sanders taking a step forward? Uh, or will he remain the status quo once again? Uh, the Chuba era is finally gone. Um, and a lot of the offense is going to rely a lot more on Sanders. So it's up to him to, to push this Oklahoma state offense forward. It doesn't help. Those top three targets from last year are gone and Talon Wallace, Dylan Stoner and Landon Wolf. Like it's, it's Oklahoma state. They're going to be able to replenish the cupboard at, at receiver. They they still have Braden Johnson. Uh, They have a Washington state transfer and Tay Martin, Um, Brennan uh, Presley. They'll be, They'll be fine, you know, at wide receiver. They always seem to find that next number one who's league bound. That that he'll pop out out of somewhere. But like, yeah, losing Chuba, losing Tevin Jenkins to the league. I mean, it's 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 another rebuilding year despite um Sanders being back. Um I, I think that's just don't don't hope too much out of the out of the pokes this year offensively, is all I'm saying. Yeah, and Defensively, though, uh, there's some stuff to look forward to. Jim Knowles has made a big impact on this defense. Um, what a what a great job he's done! Really, I mean, the Cowboys held opponents to only 23.5 points a game last season. Um, and if Trey Ford comes back from injury, he'll be able to help an already stellar-looking defense. Um, got Malcolm Rodriguez at the linebacking spot. Four rest- returning starters in the secondary. Um, yeah, Colby Harvell Peel probably be a pro. He, he's a real good safety. They got a, a devastating pair of edges with with uh, Tyra Lacey and Trace Ford. I mean, the it's just like Oklahoma with Oklahoma State. They're just like traditionally a laughing stock defensively. They're starting to round into form. They, they they're respectable defensively now. It's it's nice to see. It is nice to see. Uh, so it's kind of odd that their defense is <laughs> kind of better than their offense. Um, yeah, just, honestly. Just a weird thing to see from the Cowboys. Uh, not not a typical thing there. Um, an improving offense in the Big 12 uh, would be West Virginia under Neil Brown. Um, the offense upped its scoring average from 20.6 points per game. Um in uh, 2019 to 26.5 points per game in 2020. That's only six points, uh, but it's still a big one because uh, if I remember correctly, Ryan, when you and I were talking about West Virginia last year, we thought they were going to be horridly bad, but it turns oh, out yeah. they had one of the best defenses <laughs> in the Big 12, if not uh, in, 
in the nation last year. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's always hardest to predict like breakout defenses. Like, how pause? Like, well, standing linebacker. Oh, damn it. You came in for a minute. You're here. I, I get Hello. Hello. Okay, so I'll try it again. You intro West Virginia again, and then I'll I'll start popping yep. off on the uh, on the defense slash offense argument. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, teams improving uh, offensively, though, we got West Virginia, who uh, in year two of Neil Brown, they're able to up their scoring average by six points. Uh, that's that's pretty solid, but. Uh, What's more shocking about West Virginia, and, you know, Ryan and I talked about it last season, is we thought that they were going to be absolutely horrid. We thought they were going to be terrible. But turns out they ended up having one of the best defenses, not only in the Big 12, but in the uh, nation. Yeah, I mean, we had every reason to to doubt them because Dana Holgerson left that roster in such bad position for Neil Brown that we had every right to be like, How's he going to have it rolling by year two? How are we supposed to know that their entire linebacking core would just pop off and decide to be great? And then on top of that, Jared Doge is one of the most reliable quarterbacks, which is pretty irreplaceable when you're talking about college football. Like he, he gets the job done pretty well. So the fact that West Virginia fell ass backwards into both him and solid uh, defensive production, specifically from the linebackers, like, how are we to know one, but two, like good for them. I'm, I'm glad that he, he and Letty Brown are going to be back and running a really fun offense with, uh, with Neil Brown there. Uh, speaking of Doge though, uh, he did get benched during the Liberty bowl uh, with, with Neil Brown citing just general inconsistency. I mean, he threw for 2,587 yards last season. That's pretty respectable. Uh, 14 touchdowns and four interceptions on 63%. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think Doge is obviously the, the clear-cut guy to be there at quarterback. Um, but it, it, it should be a storyline to see if they end up, you know, taking things another direction. Apparently, Neil Brown doesn't seem to be too impressed by him, uh, regardless of what I agree with you, what I think is to be a fairly reliable season. Uh, I know 14 No, he touchdowns. used to go to... Bowling Green. Oh, he came to West Virginia from Bowling Green. Who would have thought that a rose could grow from such concrete? Yeah. And I mean, 14 touchdowns isn't stellar by any means, especially when you're coming off someone like, I mean, I know it's been a few seasons, but when you're coming off with someone like Will Greer, who, you know, tossed a gazillion touchdowns uh, per year. (laughs) High standards. (laughs) You got some pretty high standards at quarterback. So 14 touchdowns is definitely different, but uh, yeah, he's definitely reliable. Letty Brown is just going to have another great year. There's no doubt about that. And when you're looking at West Virginia, it's really just on offense. It's it's better play for wide receivers. Yeah. I love Winston, Wright, But um, beyond that, I mean, Bryce Ford Wheaton is just like a size upside type guy, but yeah, offensively just, it's just hoping that the O line holds up and hoping that they can run the ball well with it, which is a weird thing to say about West Virginia, seeing <laughs> as how how long do they've been air raid Dana Holgerson, seeing them transition into a well, we should we should hope that they run the ball more is a, is a hilarious turn of events for them. <laughs> it is what a 
what a shift for West Virginia going from tri- pretty much triple option to air raid back to balance. Uh, it's, it's interesting to see. Um, and, and speaking of their defense though, they're one of their nation best defenses. Uh, unfortunately for them, that entire defense is cutting. Um, Linebacker Tony Fields, gone. Safety Tyke Smith, gone. Cornerback Drayshawn Miller, gone. Defensive lineman Darius Stills uh, and Jeffrey Puller, gone. Like, it's it's going to be tough to replicate what they did last season. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, unfortunately for West Virginia, everyone that didn't uh, graduate transferred away because they had such a good year. They had better offers than West Virginia. So... <laughs> Yeah, West Virginia is an unfortunate uh, regression candidate for this year, even though they weren't stellar last year by any means, given record or production. But but they're a, they are a regression team at the worst possible time as the Big 12 is imploding on itself. Yeah. West Virginia needs to be marketing itself as well as possible, and I just don't think that's going to happen this year. Neil Brown's going to be on the hot seat a little bit. Uh, it's it's a tough scene. Neil Brown should have stayed at Troy, may I say. Yeah. You don't leave Troy for West Virginia. What are you thinking? That is that is a lateral job. Uh, well, on the flip side, uh, pro- progression. Uh, I expect to see progression from Kansas State. Uh, they, Knew it. They, they started four and one. They finished four and six, but we have to keep in mind. They lost Skylar Thompson three games in, and they just obviously were not the same without him. Yeah, obviously. Like, how, how are you suppo- <laughs> supposed to replace that? He was there. Uh, Klein from this year, whatever his first name was back in the day. Was it Colin Klein? Colin, yeah. Yeah. Like, Kansas State and running white quarterbacks are <laughs> the, the Venn diagram circle. <laughs> and I love... I love Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn was one of the most fun players in football yeah. last year. He's only 5'5", five, five, but he is like Mr. Playmaker. He's he's a little Tariq Cohen out there. Like, no one can get their hands on him. Yeah, I mean, Thompson's back. All five O-linemen are back. Deuce Vaughn is there. Uh, I see no reason this team goes back to a winning record. It should be bowl-bound. Um, there's no, the, the defense be, is pretty shitty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the receivers need to step up, but they did get uh, Daniel Matter BB. Um, we should help that tight end. So, really, uh, the kid from uh, Illinois, and yeah, before that, USC. Yeah, what the fuck is he doing? Why is he transferring so much? You could ask that about like sixty percent of college athletes right now. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like how uh, <laughs> how uh, Tathan uh, finally transferred. To, to um, what do you go to? UNLV. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but finally, <laughs> full circle back. Uh, anyways, back to back to what we were saying. Um, yeah. They, and as you said, defense was not so good last season. Allowed opponents to score 32 points a game. Uh, but we should also keep in mind this team had a lot of COVID 19 and injury related problems as well. Yeah. So anyways, uh, their defense. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, what do you feel about them? I mean, there's, there's a lot to, uh, make up for here, a lot to improve upon. Do you think realistically they can do that? 
Uh, it's all going to rely on the front seven, I think, because, I mean, you know, the, the pass rush is not what's there, but what is there is defensive backs. Uh, Jerron McPherson's a dog. Julius Brents is joining him in the defensive backfield as a corner. Eco Boye Doe on the other side at corner. They bring in Iowa transfer, transfer Julius Brents. They bring in Louisville transfer Russ Yeast. So, like, at the very least, they're experienced and talented at, at defensive back. But I, I worry about the pass rush. I worry about run stop with them. And I think that's going to be the main thing holding them back despite having, you know, a fine offense and a, an above average defensive backfield. Yeah, I agree. And um, as for the rest of the Big 12, we're, we're probably going to pick up the pace here for these last three because they're Yeah, these hard. three all suck ass. So <laughs> forgive us if we're not too enthused about talking about them. So first off, we'll, have, we'll start with Baylor. Um, Charlie Brewer is off to Utah. And um, a weird no one knows really. Yeah, no one knows who's gonna gonna replace him at quarterback. Uh, running back is not great. Uh, they only averaged twenty three a game as a Big Twelve team, plus four point four yards per play. God awful. Uh, there's just really not much good to say about them <laughs> this season. Yeah, everyone left on offense. On top of Brewer, uh, John Lovett transferred to Penn State to go play running back. So, like, they're they're breaking in a new quarterback, new running back, and overwhelmingly new receivers. So, like, offense, there's nothing to look forward to. But, like, the the defense was, was obviously good last year because, I mean, they were being coached by Dave Aranda. So, of course, they were fine. But, like... There, there's still too many question marks on offense for me to really talk about uh, Baylor seriously this year. Yeah, and uh, same could be said about Texas Tech. Matt Wells hasn't had much luck in Lubbock so far with 8-14 record this far. Uh, I just said thus far, I think, like twice, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so the Red Raiders uh, somehow got Tyler Show from the portal. Um, <laughs> interesting ad to say the least. Uh, offensively, there's a lot of pieces to work around. I think they'll be they'll be all right nope. offensively. Defensively, though, god awful. Please just just turn off the TV when then this team goes on defense. Bloodbath. Bloodbath. They were miserable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just hoping that Wells's thing at uh, at Utah State was was not Offense. I don't know why Texas Tech hired him. It was just being balanced. Like Texas Tech is not going to get back to that offensive supremacy that they relied on for wins, and they're they're never going to recruit well enough to be a defensive juggernaut. Like Tech's just sitting kind of dead in the water as long as Wells there. Yeah, I mean they they allowed thirty six point seven points of contents contest ranked ninth in the big 12 in rush defense and eighth in pass efficiency defense so they were pretty much sucked all around uh and a team that sucks completely all around is good old kansas um oh boy yes uh we might as well just shit on a team all they're down because they're always down uh <laughs> and more of a positive <laughs> take let's be fair they got lance leopold i mean fine Good hire. Good hire for kids. Good for that. It's it's not 
someone that's terrible. That's that's good. It's not someone who's who's part of his game, whose whose career has been long over. It's a it's a fresh face. Someone who is yeah. It's it's an inspired hire. It's an inspired hire. I think I think Leopold holds at least some potential to get this program on its feet. By God, they will probably never return to what they did in 2007 or 2008. No, not a chance. There's at least some hope for them there. Um, <laughs> I, I did want to talk about their defense because I was just I was just kind of pretty much just laughing uh, <laughs> today. <laughs> um, they gave up an average of 46 points per game last season, and that equals 30 or <laughs> they allowed 38 points or more in eight of nine contests. Just, just brutal. Oh just my. Brutal. And the one they didn't was against Texas tech. who was yeah. having an equally bad season last year. Exactly. Um, fortunately, Lance Leopold back in Buffalo. I mean, pretty solid track record on the defensive side. So it is his defensive coordinator, Brian Borland. Um, that's, doesn't mean anything good for them this season, but I'm just talking about the future. Um, <laughs> and their yeah. offensive line, yeah. got off. In the in the future, they'll be better. This year is going to be rough. Uh, their offensive line allowed 47 sacks in nine games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's really all I need to say. The defense can't stop anybody, nor can the O line. Like it's going to be another another tough one for Kansas this year. Can, can I give one more stop? Please do. 3.7 yards a snap last oh. year. Oh, that's so bad. I could do better. I could. I could, I could get 10 friends and get 3.7 yards a game uh, per play. Just absolutely brutal for Kansas. Uh, not going to be good anytime soon, but uh, perhaps perhaps in the future. It's unfortunate uh, we have to end the pod on that note. <laughs> yeah, perhaps by like season five of top, we'll be talking about Kansas being middle, if not low middle of the Big 12, if they're still around. Uh, I believe so, in Leipold. I believe in Leipold to at least get things moving there, but it's yeah. not going to be this year. The cupboard is empty. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. You can only do so much with broken parts. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, regardless, that has been this podcast. Um, another great one, Ryan. Um, another fun one. Another another two conferences um, out of the books. Yeah, always a good feeling. We're moving closer to the season. We, we start pretty soon here, man. We're down to nine days. I know. Nine freaking days. It's flew by so quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, in, in terms of plugs, uh, we got Liz Sandy and Divine Rhyme. Uh, Divine Rhyme is doing a uh, Mac Miller thing. They got to get that going. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, and in all insanity, you know, Caleb Lynn and, and Bryce Shaddy doing their NFL previews. So uh, yeah, go listen to those guys. Their their football analysis is good as well as funny when it comes absolutely. to the pros. Absolutely. Well, Caleb Lynn uh, doesn't know what he's talking about half the time, but oh. At least he's funny. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb. Uh, I know you. He, does, he, he doesn't listen to this. He does listen to these. He, he talks okay. to me about it every week. All so right, sure. He definitely just heard that. Uh, he'll hear that once it comes out. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> regardless, um, 
<laughs> it's been another great one, Ryan. Uh, we look forward to bringing you more of these. Uh, slowly trickling down the list. Uh, not too many more, thankfully, uh, for us in terms of you know prepping for these podcasts. It does take a lot of notes. So uh, this is the Top Crew, and we are signing off. Have a good one. Love you guys. Bye.